Testament readings selected for us this evening are from the message by Presbyterian Pastor Eugene Peterson. The first one is from Ephesians, verses 11 through 22, chapter 2. In this passage, Paul is addressing two groups of Christ's early followers, Jews and non-Jews, and he urges them to put aside their differences. Don't take any of this for granted, Paul says. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the new God, the way that new, excuse me, about the way God works, hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we are now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine prints and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equal and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You, no longer, you are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He is using us all, irrespective of how we got here. In what he is building, he is using us all. He used the apostles and prophets as the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Second reading is from Romans, chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm speaking out to you of, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we are and what we do for God. In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body, but as a as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? 
So, since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently formed and marvelously functioned parts of Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Our third reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. When I say the word church, what pops into your mind? Building. People. Stained glass windows. Community. Pulpit. Family. A holy place. Music. Abram. Willa. God. Anything else pop into mind? Did an image pop into your mind? Every time I hear church, the thing that pops into my mind is St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Maumee, Ohio, where I went when I was a kid. That building, the sanctuary as it was when I was a kid, immediately pop into my mind when I think of church. Maybe you have a similar experience. I did this exercise with the communion kids. And I, you know, I wrote on the whiteboard, you know, when I say church, what do you think of? And we went through this whole list, and they got this very impressive list. I'm going to tell you what I told them. Almost nothing on that list has anything to do with church. People. That has to do with church. God has to do with church. But all of the things we generally associate with church have nothing to do with church. For some people, it might be Sunday mornings. Really challenge that this Sunday. That's on purpose. Might be a specific kind of music, hymns, 
maybe old hymns, maybe a specific translation of the Bible. I've met plenty of people in my life that say the King James is the only version they would ever open. Well, yeah, Jesus had the King James Bible. You're right, you're right. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. We all carry with us things that creates an image for us of what church means. Unfortunately, in Western Christianity, most of those things have nothing to do with church. And they get in the way. In my last call, in my last presbytery, I served on the Committee on Ministry for six years, two terms, a long time. I was involved with a lot of churches, Presbytery down there has a lot of rural churches that are struggling to keep their doors open. And when presented with the idea of maybe partnering with other churches or, you know, moving from their building to something else, almost every time the answer was no. They couldn't envision their church without the building that they were in. So what happens to those congregations? They eventually cease to be. I only knew of one and worked with one congregation who had the forethought to say, we can't afford our building. We want to focus on mission. We're going to sell it. Good for them. They're nesting with an ELCA church. And they're still active in their community. Most of us have these ideas of church that have nothing to do with church And more importantly, they become things we argue about. Has anyone ever heard of the worship wars? I know you've heard of them because you lived through that. It was a war among churches on what kind of music they should have and what style of worship they should do. And if you look at church history, I've had to take a lot of church history, we have been pretty terrible with one another. We have killed one another over infant baptism. In Europe, there were wars between Christians, between Anabaptist groups who said you cannot baptize a child, and other groups that said it's fine, and we killed each other. That cycle has happened. We have found reasons to fight and kill each other within the church over things like that. We don't have a great track record in the church, being the church. Our passages today all deal with this idea of what is this new thing that Jesus left? Pentecost just happened. The people were left. Jesus had ascended. The Holy Spirit comes. And now what? Now what do we do? How do we live out Jesus' teaching? And we get a glimpse in the book of Acts of what they did and what was important. They lived together. They ate meals. They communed together. They shared things. They took care of one another. They made sure everyone saw God in their actions. They devoted themselves to teaching, to listening, to singing hymns, and to prayer. That's how the early Christians responded to Jesus' teachings. They didn't have buildings that they associated 
with church. They didn't have specific music. There was no Bible. They shared time together in community and understood themselves to be the church. We all have preconceived ideas of church. If I were to say church to someone outside of the church in our culture, what do you think they would say would come into mind? A building? Hate? Judgment? Hypocrisy? Anything else? Unworthiness? Rules, thank you. Yeah. Has anyone ever had a conversation with someone who either was part of the church or a church and no longer was or had a lot of opinions about the church? Every time someone asks me what I do, I'm like... I really want... And I'll, most times I'll say what I do and sometimes... People unload on me. They got a lot of opinions about the church. Or they've been hurt by the church. And they want to tell me about it. One of the problems that we're facing as the modern church is that we've gotten away with trying to decipher what it means to follow the teachings of Jesus. And we've become much more focused on preserving these wonderful institutions that we've built. How do we save what we've built? It's not the right focus. That will lead to one thing and one thing only. The death of the church. Too many congregations have gone through that cycle where they lose sight of what it means to be the church. They get focused on the institution they built and it all crumbles. Over and over we see high-profile megachurches and pastors who build these empires with hundreds of millions of dollars budgets and buildings, what happens over and over again? Sex scandal. The lead pastor falls and the whole thing crumbles. I sent you that podcast of the rise and fall of Mark Till a few months ago, and if you've been able to listen to that, great. If not, I encourage you to, because this empire that was built went from you know, 20-some locations and thousands and thousands and thousands of participants to not existing in a matter of months when the head pastor was forced out for being a belligerent jerk to everyone around him. Our challenge in the modern church is to let go of all of our ideas of church that have nothing to do with the church. I truly believe that's what God is challenging us to do now. It was my hope that through COVID we would learn that we can be the church outside of our buildings, outside of our comfort zone, that we could be out in the community, that we could find new ways to be in fellowship with one another, to care for one another, and could realize that we can do things differently. 
As soon as we could, though, we wanted to go back to what was comfortable. We have a lot we can learn from the book of Acts in how to follow Jesus' teachings. But it's going to require us to let go of a lot. We have to let go of this idea that to be the church means to be in power over other people. Too many people in the church are focused on that right now. We need to let go of the idea that church has to be at a certain time or in a certain place or with certain music or with certain words or with certain people leading it. We have to let go of those things. We have to reclaim our place as the church because we are the church all the time. You never go to church. Strike that from your vocabulary. You are the church all the time. People can go to you. They could go to church. We don't go to church. We have to radically change how we think about these things. If we have hope to be agents of healing in our community, especially with the people who have been hurt and traumatized by people who claim to speak for the church. I have met far too many people who fit into that category, who were told horrible things, who were judged terribly, who were told they weren't good enough, they didn't fit, they weren't welcome. too much of our history in the church, we have been too worried about being right and determining who's included and who's not. And if there's anything we can learn from Jesus' teachings, is that our job is to be the church out teaching, showing God's love, ministering to people, taking care of one another, and being the kingdom on earth. That is our role. That is the purpose of the church. And there's a lot of worry about what's going to happen to the American church and the state of the European church. The church will be without us. The church will be just fine. The church is thriving in other parts of the world. The church is growing, not shrinking. We have to change how we think about it. And then we have to take the brave steps to be the church and to show people what the church truly is. And by doing so, we can heal broken relationships. We can bring healing to those who need it. And we can reclaim our place in this world. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 